the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The Bible declares that we were slaves to our sin. We were held by someone stronger than us. And we couldn't get ourselves out of the slavery. The nearest kinsman redeemer who was willing to pay for you and was able to pay the redemption price to redeem you is Jesus Christ. You can go through your whole family, all of your family tree, ain't nobody willing, ain't nobody able. The only one willing and able to pay the price that was required to redeem us, our kinsman redeemer, is Jesus Christ. How many people can you count on to stand with you through your worst? Is there anyone you can trust enough to be holy yourself around? We all screw up. We act out of anger and say things we don't mean. Someone hurts us, and we just want to hurt that person in return. But today, Pastor Dan reminds us that even if you don't have a best friend in your life, you have one in Jesus Christ. He paid the price for your sin when no one else would or could. He loved you even when you were unlovable. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. the end of human history, the last days, when he restores them back into their land, you shall plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. Now, Samaria was in the northern kingdom. And remember, the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria about 136 years before the southern kingdom of Judah. So as Jeremiah is penning this prophecy, Samaria has been wiped out now at this point for 130 years. But here we're told that in the last days, God will bring all the tribes of Israel back into their own land, including the 10 northern tribes, and they will plant vineyards in the mountains and the hills of Samaria. And guess what? If you go to Samaria today, guess what's there? Vineyards. All over Samaria. On our trip to Israel earlier this summer, we went to Samaria and we saw some of the vineyards. We stopped at a winery for the view. There's this great overlook there that we went to for the view, but it was a winery. There's vineyards all over. In fact, there are, this is extra information, it's not going to be on the test, but there are 150 wineries in Israel. 29 of them are in the mountains of Samaria. In Israel, the Golan Heights in the north near the Galilee is known for its vineyards. There's only 14 vineyards in the Golan Heights. There's 29 in the Samaritan mountains. 
This is a newspaper article from a Jewish uh, Israeli newspaper. Israelis toast wineries in Judea and Samaria. And that's a picture of a winery, a vineyard in the hills of Samaria. It's an article about the great wine that's being produced in Samaria today. And here, the prophet Jeremiah, speaking for God, God said through him that in the last days, when he restores Israel to their land, they will plant vineyards in the hills of Samaria. And that's what you see today. Why are you saying we're living in the last days? So this is what they're going to do in the last days, and it's happening. Now, remember, too, that whenever God says something in the Bible, it's never arbitrary. There's always a meaning. There's always a purpose in what he says. And so we always want to ask the question, why did God tell me that? Why did God tell me that? Why did he mention that specifically? Why did he say that they will plant vineyards in the mountains of Samaria? Why didn't he mention one of the other crops they grow in Samaria? Why didn't he say they will plant watermelons? Because they grow watermelons in Samaria too. Why didn't he mention watermelons? Why does he say vineyards? What is the significance of vineyards? Well, here's, here's the point. Vineyards can only be planted and grown in times of extended peace and extended security. You never planted a vineyard during unstable times or uncertain times because a vine required several years to produce a crop. If you're planting a vineyard, you're in it for the long haul. Uh, If you're a note taker, you can jot down Leviticus 19, verses 23 to 25. There it tells us that the fruit of the orchard or the fruit of the vine was not enjoyed by the owner until the fifth year of planting. The fifth year after planting. Look at verse 5 again. God promised they will plant vineyards in Samaria and the planter shall plant and eat them. If they will plant and eat the fruit of the vineyard, that means they will dwell safely in their homeland For at least five years, the implication here is that they're going to be secure in their own land for a long time, permanently, in fact. So this vineyard is a symbol of safety. It's a symbol of security that Israel will enjoy in the last days. Verse six, for there shall be a day. Again, he's talking about the last days for there shall be a day when the watchmen will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise, let us go up to Zion, to Jerusalem, to the Lord, our God. So during the last days that we're talking about here, the watchmen will cry out, Let's go up to Zion to see the Lord. Now, a watchman's job in the ancient world was to stand on the city wall or to stand on a high point in the city and to watch. That's why they're called watchmen. What are they watching for? They're watching for an enemy army. And their job, if they saw an enemy army, was to sound an alarm. They were to blow a trumpet to warn the people in that city that an enemy army is approaching. In the last days, Israel will dwell in safety. Their watchmen will no longer watch for approaching armies. Now, the watchmen in the last days, well, they're going to signal that it's time to celebrate the Lord. It's time to worship the Lord. They're going to signal it's time to go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts, to celebrate the festivals, 
to begin the journey to Zion to worship Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem. Isn't that great? The watchman no longer needs to be a watchman. Now he's just watching for the festivals to begin, the celebration, the worship to begin. I think that's pretty cool. Now, it goes on here. And he says in verse 7, For thus says the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Again, he's saying here, you know, we're going to worship. Sing with gladness for Jacob. Shout to the nations. Then he goes on in verse 8, Behold, I will bring them from the north country. We've seen this several times in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, that they, they traveled into the land from the north, because to the west was a desert. So they had to kind of go up and around the desert and come down from the north into the land, or they would come up from the bottom up through Egypt. But they're coming down from the north country. And gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the women with child, and the one who labors with child, the woman who's actually in labor together. A great throng shall return there. Again, God is promising here that in the last days, when the Jewish people are dwelling back in their land, that people will come and be gathered from the ends of the earth. The Jews will be gathered from the ends of the earth and be brought back into their own land, their homeland, including the blind, the lame, the pregnant, those who are actually in labor. So no one will be excluded. No one will be left out. No one will be left behind. They're going to bring everybody back. You know, in 1991, the Israeli military had a covert operation called Operation Solomon, where they went into the country of Ethiopia and they airlifted out Ethiopian Jews and brought them into the land of Israel. There were 14,325 Ethiopian Jews that were airlifted out and brought safely to Israel in 36 hours. They literally, they, they took jumbo jets, they took all of the seats out of the planes, they took these planes into Ethiopia, they landed them, they packed people into these planes. On one flight they had, I think it was 1,122 people on one plane. It set a record. Who wants to be on that flight, right? <laughs> I'm always looking for an empty seat next to me on a flight. They packed over 1,000 people on one commercial flight. 36 hours, they, air, they airlifted out 14,325 people. Of those people, 140 of them had medical conditions and needed medical care as soon as they landed. Two women gave birth in flight. What does the prophecy say? The prophecy says that the Jews will be gathered from the ends of the earth, among them the blind, the lame, the women with child, the one who labors with child, the, woman who, the women who are in labor will be brought back. Great throngs shall return there. Just as is happening. Just as has happened. Verse 9 says, they shall come with weeping, tears of joy, and with supplications, I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters. And here it's, it's wadis, it's talking about dry riverbeds. They're going to use dry riverbeds to make the journey into the land. In a straight way in which they shall not stumble, 
for I am a father to Israel. It hasn't changed. He's still their father. It hasn't changed. Even though they've rebelled against him, even though they've gone astray, even though they've been unfaithful to him, God is still their father. And Ephraim, which is another name for Israel, Ephraim is my firstborn. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. They will come with weeping and with supplications. Again, we're talking about the last days here. I'll just read a verse to you out of Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me. This is the Lord speaking. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. When did they pierce God? On the cross. They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem. Why are they mourning? They're mourning because there will come a day, the Bible tells us, in the latter days when Israel will return to the land, God will breathe His Spirit upon them, and they will come with tears and supplication, Because they will realize that Jesus Christ was their Messiah and is their Messiah. And they pierced him. They crucified him. They rejected him. The first time they came, instead of receiving him as their king, they crucified him. But God says here, I'm I'm still your father. I am a father to Israel. You're my firstborn. You still have a place of preeminence. You still have a place of prominence. Just like the firstborn son in a Jewish family. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the isles afar off and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. The the news of Israel's restoration must be proclaimed to all the nations in distant lands. God is not finished with Israel. God scattered them. And in the last days, the latter days, God will once again gather them to himself. And this is a testimony God says to the Gentile nations, to the non-believers, that the God of Israel is the true God. And He is faithful to His promises. And He is faithful to His people. He never forsakes His people. And we're talking over thousands of years. I mean, he's writing this 2,600 years ago. But in the last days, God will restore Israel to their land, as He's doing today. He will breathe His Spirit upon them. They will turn their hearts back to God and believe on Jesus Christ 
as a testimony to the nations of who God is. And God's faithfulness. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. The Lord redeemed and ransomed Israel. Now the word redeemed, it describes the act of deliverance and restoration. It's used to describe the obligation of a family member or a next of kin to buy back an enslaved family member. This was something that was common in the Old Testament times. We get the Old Testament concept of the kinsman redeemer from this word. You maybe have heard that word before, the kinsman redeemer. In the story of Ruth, Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer is the nearest relative who was, first of all, willing, they got to be willing, and secondly, able to pay the price to redeem someone from slavery, a family member from slavery. So they've got to be willing and they've got to be financially able to pay whatever the redemption price is to redeem that family member. And there was an obligation. It's your family. But if you weren't willing, you could say, I'm not willing to do it. I'm not willing to pay the price. If you didn't have the money, I can't afford it. And then it would go to the next person in your family, the next closest relative. And that person, if they were willing and they were able to pay, they would pay to redeem their family member out of slavery. If that person couldn't pay, it would go to the next person and the next person until there was a kinsman who was able to pay the redemption price and they would pay that redemption price to redeem that relative from slavery. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, the Bible declares that we were slaves to our sin. We were held by someone stronger than us. And we couldn't get ourselves out of the slavery. The nearest kinsman redeemer who was willing to pay for you and was able to pay the redemption price to redeem you is Jesus Christ. You can go through your whole family, all of your family tree. Ain't nobody willing, ain't nobody able. The only one willing and able to pay the price that was required to redeem us, our kinsman redeemer, is Jesus Christ. And he paid the price. He shed his blood. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the price. And he is the only one that was willing to pay the price for us. To redeem us from sin, death, and hell. He says here, Israel was redeemed by the Lord. And Israel was ransomed. Now, ransom, that word means the transfer of ownership through the payment of a price. The transfer of ownership through the payment of a price. Jesus ransomed us. He paid the price. The Bible says we've been bought with a price. He paid the price to purchase us, and now we belong to Him. Our ownership has been transferred to Christ. Israel was both redeemed and ransomed. We've been redeemed and ransomed. Verse 12, therefore, because God redeemed them, because God ransomed them, therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, Jerusalem, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden 
and they shall sorrow no more at all. I love verse 12. Jeremiah here, he pictures a redeemed and restored Israel. They're streaming into Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. You can picture the crowds of people streaming over the hills, over the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem, to the house of the Lord. They have abundance. They've got wheat. They've got new wine. They've got oil. They've got flocks. They've got herds. And most importantly, their souls are like a well-watered garden. And just full of life. Not like a dry desert anymore. Like a well-watered garden. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Now, the priests were supported by the tithes and offerings that were made by the people that they brought to the temple. So all of this abundance and all of this blessing on the nation means that the priests also will be blessed and the priests and their families will be generously provided for and they will be satisfied, they will be satiated. By all of the blessing that's been given to them. Thus says the Lord. A voice was heard in Rama, Lamentation. And bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children. Refusing to be comforted. For her children. Because they are no more. So now we shift gears here. And you have this. This verse. Verse 15. Where the Lord speaks figuratively. Or poetically. About Rachel. And picturing Rachel here. Weeping for her children. Now, Rachel, if you remember, that was the wife of Jacob. And she had two children by Jacob. She had Joseph and she had Benjamin. And the context here, the picture here, is she is weeping over the tribes that are going into the exile, into captivity. And as I said, she had Joseph and she had Benjamin. Joseph, the descendants of Joseph, ended up in what became the northern kingdom. And the descendants of Benjamin ended up, the tribe of Benjamin ended up in the southern kingdom. So Rachel, again, this is figurative here. She's not literally there weeping. But Rachel, she has children that were part of the northern kingdom and children that are part of the southern kingdom. So she has children that were taken into captivity in Assyria. She's got children that are taken into captivity in Babylon. And here we're talking about the whole nation of Israel. Now, what's important about this verse for us is Matthew quotes this verse in Matthew chapter 2 when he describes the slaughter of the children in Bethlehem by Herod the Great. And he, he quotes from this verse about Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted for her children. Now, Rachel died on her way to Bethlehem. And she's buried somewhere in the area around Bethlehem. And so Matthew uses this verse out of Jeremiah that refers to Rachel. And Rachel actually, remember, she died in childbirth. And it fits geographically to the story of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and the slaughter of the children in Bethlehem by Herod the Great. He asked me how I know and I say 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we can be a part of it and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice, and it only takes Rings true.